For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Recorded live. So, do you agree to participate in this research interview? Yes. And do you consent to the audio recording of our conversation? Yes. And do you prefer to be assigned a pseudonym to be used in place of your real name on all documents and recordings, or do you give your consent for your real name to be used in this research? I give consent for my real name to be used. So please feel free to ask for clarification at any point during the interview on like any of the questions. There's sort of three main themes that we're trying to cover with a set of questions in each. Uh, you're welcome to elaborate beyond any of the specific questions that we ask to cover topics that you want to address that you feel are really important. Um, and we're happy to like uh, variate based on that. Um, but to begin, I just want to get to know you and your role at Sun Prairie Media while also getting sort of an understanding of how you and your organization are defining media literacy in your work. Um, so I wonder if you could just go through your title and department and your responsibilities and how long you've been there. there? I'm sorry. I got disconnected. Cool. Where did you lose me? Uh, I lost you. Uh, I consented to use my real name in the research, and I think that was the end of it. Sweet. Okay. So basically, uh, let me know if you have any questions about the questions that I ask you, if you need clarification on any of them, and go off question if the question isn't addressing the thing that you think is most important that I'm like getting at. Um, we're covering sort of three main topics, and then we have questions within each of those. Um, so we want to address the topics, but if the question doesn't quite get there, feel free to elaborate. And um, we just want to start with getting to know you and your role at Sun Prairie, um, while also getting an understanding of how you and your organization define media literacy. So if you could just review for me your title and department, uh, your responsibilities, and how long you've worked at the organization? Yes, my name is Jeff Robbins. I'm the Executive Director of the Sun Prairie Media Center. I've been here since March of 2014, so about three and a half years. Um, my role in at the Media Center is to oversee the daily operations of uh, three main entities. We have a sort of a quote-unquote normal um, community television channel, which would include community programming, city meetings, sporting events, things of that nature. We have a secondary uh, channel called Kids 4, which is an offshoot of our Kids 4 program, which is for um, 
local school district kids in uh, grades four through eight. And then we also have a low-power FM radio station that has been on the air since July of 2015. Uh, I also work with, uh, I do a lot of work with the volunteers. We currently have about approximately 75 volunteers doing regular programming. I oversee a staff of three full-timers, uh, one part-time person, three high school students, that work uh, pretty limited hours. Um, I do the fun, I try to do fundraising as much as I can, um, budgeting, payroll, all sorts of administrative stuff. And um, hopefully that's enough for now. Hopefully that, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and how do you define media literacy and how does your organization as a whole define media literacy? Well, I think they, uh, they're they one and the same, really. I mean, I, I define media literacy as being able to understand how media messages are created, um, how they're manipulated, what... Um, what... Um, tools the media makers are using to uh, get you to do what they want you to do, you know, to manipulate your reaction to the media. And uh, here at the Sun Prairie Media Center, we hope that through learning how to create your own media messages, and this is particularly relevant to our Kids 4 program, learning how to create your own media messages, learning what goes into a media message, uh, whether it's short form, long form, 30-second <coughs> commercial, um, a newscast, uh, a, a longer sketch or a play, um, hopefully learning how those messages are created, uh, you will learn better how to um, process and um, decode messages that are sent your way, and hopefully it will be less likely to be easily manipulated by other people's media messages. Mm -hmm. Cool. And sorry, what... sorry if that was too long. No, it wasn't. That was great. Um, and what are your responsibilities specifically related to the organization's work on media literacy? Well, um, to be honest with you, um, like I said, we work with uh, about 75 volunteers. Um, I work with m most of the adult volunteers in order to make sure they have a handle on what they want to say, why they're doing a program, whether it's a radio program or a TV program. Um, I don't work with them necessarily every week. I get more involved in the creation of their recurring shows, making sure they have enough material to, um, you know, do more than one episode, making sure they're looking a little bit more long-term. Um, the I have my staff of three that I referred to earlier, 
particularly two of the, that staff, uh, work more directly with the kids for participants on a week-to-week -week basis um, to uh, to talk about media literacy and to talk and to get them, you know, thinking about their own media messages and how those how the creation of those media messages hopefully will uh, advance their media literacy. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so our first topic is exploring the subject of current goals and activities of media literacy programs and community media centers. Um, so if you could just talk about what the goals of your media literacy programs are and what activities you use to bring those about. Well, I mean, first and foremost, and when you say media literacy activities, I'm, I'm going to be mostly speaking about uh, the Kids 4 program because the the adult volunteers, um, you know, they're they're learning mo most definitely, but they're they're, you know, the 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 media literacy aspects of what they're doing are probably not as uh, as great. So. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? Uh, the goals of your media literacy program and then the activities you use to bring those about. Yeah, so the goals, I mean, they're, they're fairly broad goals um, because we're dealing with younger kids. We just really want them, you know, we, we recognize uh, Kids 4 has been around for almost 40 years. And uh, obviously the way that young people have been bombarded with media messages has changed quite a bit. Um, uh, you know, when I was a kid, we were I was watching three channels on t on television and maybe listening to a little radio. But of course, now things things have changed uh, dramatically. So we um, we try to get them to understand why uh, a commercial was created a certain way why a YouTube video maybe was created a certain way, how those messages were put together, uh, how they can put similar messages together, maybe not uh, as good budget-wise, but uh, using the same sorts of emotional appeals or um, informational appeals. Um, and we get uh, kids to do that. They make their own commercials. They um, make their own newscasts, they do their own uh, videos and short sketches and um, their own interview interview um, segments. So they talk they they think a lot about why why you, you would ask a certain question, get to hopefully get a certain reaction. Um, so that's sort of how it's it's implemented. I mean it's not mm -hmm. It, we, uh, the other thing I should say, of course, is that uh, this is a, obviously it's a voluntary program. You know, you know, there's a small fee to be in the program. Um, we do we do stress the media literacy to the parents, but uh, to the kids, you know, kids are are here because they really think that they're going to have a good time. That they can play with cameras and they can play with a video switcher. They can play with uh, the local radio station. So. We don't lose track of the fact that kids are here to to enjoy themselves as well. So you don't hit them over the head with 
the educational aspects of what it is that we're doing. Sure. Yeah. Um, and how do your participants find out about your programs? Do you advertise anywhere? And if so, where? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we get a lot of returners, so uh, the the uh, program is for kids in grades four through eight, so it's not atypical for a student to be in the program for all five years and just keep coming back. We advertise, obviously, through our website, through social media, through our city's uh, rec recreation guide, uh, through the local paper, um, the local school district here has a program called Peach Jar, which I think is a national program that sends out uh, PDF uh, flyers to parents on a daily or weekly basis, and we advertise through that because that is obviously our, our audience is kids in the in the school district. Um, we don't do anything like advertise, you know, buy advertising on broadcast radio or broadcast uh, television. Um, so we are only looking to fill about 60 spots. This this year we have 60, 62 kids in the program. Um, so in a town our size, community our size, it's not difficult to fill the program. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And um, how would you characterize the demographic of the participants in your programs, including, um, but not limited to, age, gender, race, socioeconomic status, parental involvement, whatever you feel is relevant to your situation? Okay, let's see here. Um, I have, you know, I've, only, I've been here, so this is my fourth year of kids, four, 14, 15, 16, 17, yeah. So I would say, and I have a list of the participants in front of me, um, and I'm not going to go through the, the entire list because you would be very bored, but I would say that it's probably about 70% uh, white and 30% other, um, other racial backgrounds. Uh, I would say that that's getting it's getting more diverse over the last four years, just like our community is getting more diverse. Um, the majority of the kids, and this has this has as much to do with how we've set it up as, as anything else, but the majority of the kids uh, are four through six, and then we um, grades four through six. I'm sorry, not ages four through six. Grades four through six, and then we have about. Um, Oh, I would say about 10% of the kids are in 7th and 8th grade. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of that is because we have those kids in their own in their own um, group and they do a, a live show as opposed to doing re, uh, recorded uh, programs like the younger kids do. As far as, um, as far as the gender is concerned, I would say it's probably about 60 to 65% uh, female. 30 to 35, or I'm sorry, 40 to 35% male. Um, parental involvement is an interesting question. I, I, uh, you know, being a parent myself, I guess I understand this, but we always would like more parental involvement. We ask for more parental involvement. 
Uh, we do a parent week every week where we uh, try to get parents to attend the um, the classes with their kids and, and, and participate in whatever it is, you know, sketches, whatever it is they're working on. Um, and I would say that's maybe we get about 50% involvement in that. I wish that was a little bit higher. Um, we do try to do some fundraising with the parents, and that usually um, does not go very well. We don't have much uh, involvement from the parents in, in fundraising. If we give them something to sell, chances are they might sell it, but as far as coming up with their own ideas or, or things like that, that, that hasn't really worked out. Um, and, um, yeah, a lot of times I do feel like kids are here because the parents want their these, – these are these are a lot of times kids that are not necessarily athletically inclined, uh, and there aren't very many after-school opportunities for kids that, you know, don't want to play sports or, or don't feel comfortable playing sports. So we, I think we get a lot of kids that um, their parents recognize that and want them to do something outside of school, something extracurricular, uh, but they don't spend a lot of time necessarily following up with their kids and, and talking about what they're what they're doing here at uh, at Kids Four at the media center. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and does your program intentionally target any specific demographics, or are there any demographics of participants that you'd like to engage more than you are currently? We don't target a particular demographics. Um, I don't know how we would do that without being um, getting into some sticky territory. I w I'm pleased to see the diversity that is uh, getting to be more and more the reality, and I would just like to see that con continue. I, I guess, um, um, but I, I can't say I'm unhappy with it. I, I'm glad that it's that it's getting better. I would like to see it continue to get better, uh, or by better I just mean more diverse. And um, um, so yeah, so I guess the short answer there is no. We do not target particular demographics, uh, apart from the age range that I've already discussed. Sure. Yeah. Um, and what benefits do you think your students gain from participating in your programs? Well, I think the, the biggest gain that people get or the kids get out of being in the program, you know, obviously there's the media literacy thing, which I think is important. And I think that uh, it's a real thing. I think it's a real need to be media literate. I think that's um, not as important as being able to actually re be able to read and write. But I, I think that in today's world, it is a, a, a real skill that is very important to have. Um, so beyond that, which I think is um, extremely uh, crucial to the success of our program, I think that kids that come through here just learn how to be better communicators. I mean, this is a, a program where kids have to get on camera or get on a microphone and uh, interview other people or, or come up with uh, things to say about themselves, come up with um, ad-libs, improvisation. It helps kids think on their feet quicker. 
just just be better communicators and also to break out of their um, shell a little bit. Like I say, we, we get a lot of kids in here that um, maybe are a little socially awkward or maybe a little socially behind. Um, and uh, they really do break out of their shell in, in an environment like this. Yeah. And what do you think makes your program unique um, compared to like other similar media programs and from maybe a media literacy perspective? Well, I think that what makes our program unique is the fact that um, it's a continuous program for a series of months. I mean, I know there are a lot of media centers that do classes with kids that maybe they come in for an hour or maybe an hour for three weeks and they do very specific things, um, whether it's, you know, putting on a radio play or putting on um, learning how to run a camera or learning how to produce a newscast or something like that. What, what's unique about our program is that we do a little bit of everything, you know, because it, it, it does run from October through May. So in that time, kids do a lot of different things. They do, like I said, they, they write commercials, they write uh, sketches, they improv sketches, they write movies, they think about... Um, you know, from the technical standpoint, you know, they work the cameras, they work the microphones, they work the lighting, they work the video switcher, so they're responsible for graphics, music, uh, they edit, they um, they really do a little bit of everything over that time, and um, they spend a lot of time with their crewmates, so they get to uh, know these uh, other kids very well, and... Um, not only that, but then there's a, an outlet. Now, the fact that we are we have a cable channel maybe isn't as important or exciting as it was 10 or 15 years ago because so much of the uh, way that people consume media is going away from, you know, standard television. Um, so we are looking at starting. We, we stream our, our main channel. Uh, we've always been concerned about, Privacy issues, since we're dealing with kids here, um, mm -hmm. we've been a little bit concerned about dealing with or just putting kids' images and videos online. Um, we do have a website that is password protected where parents can go and see their kids' uh, work. So I think it's exciting for kids to not only be on TV, but uh, to to have their um, things be on a legitimate website that, you know, they didn't create themselves, that somebody else created. And um, this year we should be probably streaming our channel uh, 24 hours a day. And again, that'll be, that'll be password protected. So I think, you know, it's any, any kid and I, you know, we struggle with this all the time or we, this is something that's just part of the, part of the world now. But when we, when kids first started 40 years ago, um, obviously there weren't smartphones and tablets and iMovie and, and things like that where kids could make their own um, videos with with little or, little or no education or, or, or um, you know, knowledge on how to do these things. They can pick things up pretty quickly. 
we like to think that they can come here, they can work with adult staff um, that can help them get their creative ideas uh, maybe more focused, more well-rounded, but also they're they're getting more exposure than just their maybe their YouTube channel. They're they're getting on a a cable channel. They're getting uh, online on a on a website that uh, um, is a legitimate website. So so yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are, are unique to our program. Yeah, thanks. Um, and the second topic is focused on understanding where community media centers, schools, and public libraries might share experiences and resources to promote media literacy in your community. So could you talk to me about how your organization has or might possibly in the future share experiences and resources to support local media literacy efforts um, with these kinds of organizations? And if there's any specific like infrastructure, personnel, or anything else that's been really important to your organization to like partner on? Well, um, we don't really, oddly enough, we, we don't really partner with the school district that much with the Kids 4 program. I would like to see us partner more with uh, the district, but um, since it is a paid program, Apart from advertising it in the school district as much as we can, um, kids go to school and they come here and they do their the kids for stuff. But and hopefully they take some knowledge back to their their school um, existence and their their school career. But as far as um, sharing resources with the school as uh, we don't do a whole heck of a lot of it to be uh, to be honest now I did have a meeting this week with the local high school and we are looking to do more things with the high school um, but that would be sort of I don't know if that'd be as much media literacy as just um, knowing that there are classes at the high school that deal with journalism and broadcasting and uh, just getting them to our facility more often to expose high school kids to what we have here at the media center. Uh, I think I'd be lying if I were going to claim that that was heavy media literacy education stuff. Yeah, no, that's fine. And the other thing I should say, um, with with our kids for kids, the, uh, another thing that we do is we do encourage kids to check out cameras and camera equipment to record events, at least one event, in their in the community, whether that's a parade or that's um, a sporting event or just something going on in the community concert. Uh, and we like to think that. You know, getting kids out there with a camera, getting them in, in involved in the community, gives them a uh, makes them feel a part of the community that, and it maybe exposes them to the community that they wouldn't otherwise feel a part of or be exposed to. Mm -hmm. Sure. So that was a, that uh, was an answer to a previous question. That's fine. Um, and 
have you experienced any specific challenges? Like, I think you maybe touched on this briefly, but like, have you experienced, are there challenges that are barring the, the working to share experiences and resources with these other organizations? Um, or is it just like self-sustaining this? Yeah, well, I mean, the challenges are, um, Sometimes if we send a kids for a child to uh, do a recording of something, um, we have heard, we've gotten some bad feedback because if it's a kids for a participant, they're not necessarily going to do as professional a job as maybe, you know, a, a, an adult volunteer would do. So that has been something that we've, we've had to deal with if, in, in the cases where we assign a kids for a participant to uh, to record something, we want to make sure that um, the person on the other end understands that it's it's a it's a student as opposed to an adult. Um, I mean, we have the same differences and challenges internally with dealing with kids that maybe have some some minor uh, special needs, whether it's uh, mild autism or ADHD or, or issues like that. And of course, it's always difficult to um, deal with a group uh, when one or two of the children have, have different needs. It's, it's different to stay on task if one or two kids are have issues staying focused or, or issues you know, following what's, what's being discussed. Um, you know, our staff here are not licensed teachers. They they have certainly done um, some training with with uh, dealing with working with with youth, but they're not educators necessarily. They do other things on their job. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it would be it, that is really something that I'd like to work more on, uh, which would be to get more businesses in the community or more other nonprofits in the community um, to appreciate what we have here with the Kids4 program and embrace them in what they do, whether it's by creating PSAs or um, creating you know, short promotional messages or um, just ha having them uh, more a part of what it is they do. I mean, it's it's very easy for us to get adult staff out to cover things, but if we if we do send uh, one of the kids, we we do tend to get a little negative uh, feedback on that. Yeah. And for our last topic, can you talk about what you perceive the impact of your media literacy program to have been like specifically if there's any unexpected effects of the programs or any effects the program has had on the rest of the organization as a whole? Well, I think the, uh, I think what it's done, uh, what it does now, what it's always done is it uh, exposes children to careers in the media that they um, maybe didn't know existed and gives them real hands-on experience with uh, reporting or you know, 
know, a more technical aspect of whether it's running a camera or, or directing. Um, we've had several people over the, the course of our existence go on to to work in in uh, broadcast media. So uh, we like to think that uh, we were able to give people a head start. Um, I, you know, I would have really enjoyed this sort of thing when I was a, a kid because I always wanted to work in television. So this could have done me some good if I had had exposure to this or, or access to this when I was a kid, but I was, I'm not, not from around here. Um, and we hear from parents all the time, and we see it ourselves because we, we see these kids, uh, if not year to year, which is often the case, but at least we see them in October and we see them at the end of the, uh, the spring. Um, we see that kids get much more self-assured. They're better communicators. They um, are more creative. They, you know, when kids come in and they find out they're going to do be on TV, uh, a lot of times they want to do things that maybe aren't appropriate, whether they're super violent uh, ideas or um, ideas. And we don't get a lot of we don't get a lot of kids wanting to do anything sexual, but we we do get kids wanting to do things that are are in bad taste. And um, by the end of the year, kids have understood other ways to communicate, other things that maybe are funny besides, you know, punching somebody in the face or, or kicking somebody in the groin or something like that. Um, so we, we like to think that we, um, we we do help with kids get more creative and more uh, thoughtful in what they, uh, what they can do and what maybe they find to be appropriate and what they find to be uh, funny. Yeah. And what do you think libraries and schools could learn from your media literacy programs? Well, I think libraries and schools um, could learn that, you know, it's fine to give a, uh, it's fine to give a, a child an iPad or a, a smartphone and to have him or her make a, make a short video, but it's really another thing to get into a room with an adult staff or a couple of adult staff and other kids and really talk about what it means to be a media maker, talk about what it means to create a commercial, why you would write a commercial the way you would write it, the power of the media, the power of... Um, imagery, the power of combining images, and um, what a tool, good and bad, um, working in the media can be and, and how powerful a, a tool it can be. I think that when I was in school, uh, I had a mass media class, but I did not have a mass media class until I was in high school. We uh, had no media literacy at all until... Um, you know, I'd already been exposed to thousands and thousands of hours of television. And now with uh, the kids, of course, getting smartphones at an earlier and earlier age, I have a 10-year-old daughter and she has, a, you know, a smartphone and, and is on YouTube all the time. Um, 
I don't think we can get to these kids early enough. So I think that I would encourage schools to uh, to put in media literacy programs um, very early on. And I think um, a, a program like this is really a, a groundbreaking way to, to do that. And I think the, as far as libraries are concerned, uh, we share space with the library. We do a lot of collaboration with library. In fact, just last night, um, we won an award uh, in, in combination with our library for being uh, good community partners. And um, uh, libraries should, in, in communities where they're fortunate enough to have a thriving community media center, uh, libraries and community media centers really should uh, work together to make sure that people know that the community media center exists. I mean, libraries exist to uh, make people more informed, more involved, and that's why community media centers exist. So I think uh, library collaborations um, are really crucial for uh, media centers to survive and also for libraries to uh, to be well-rounded. Yeah. And what projects have you been working on with the library? Well, with the library, uh, we have just started, and in fact, the first one is tomorrow, so we haven't even had one yet, but uh, we are um, doing classes in conjunction, in conjunction with the library. The library certainly, um, more people know about the library than know about the media center, and that I'm sure is true of most communities. You know, our library is very large and, and uh, very well funded by the city, and they have a good friends group and, and, um, and all that. So we have started a, a collaboration where the library uh, promotes media maker labs uh, in the library, and um, then we will uh, be meeting um, participants who have signed up at the library and then bringing them over here to the media center. And I expect that tomorrow when we have the class, uh, we will be dealing with some kids, and this is a kids class, that had no idea we were even here. Um, beyond that, we have uh, instituted a television program with the library director uh, informing the community of what's going on uh, with the library. We have a, a monthly radio program uh, where the uh, the goal is more or less the same, talking to the library about the good programming they're doing and all that good kind of good stuff. And then we also have, we, we, we record shorter PSAs with the library, um, talking about what's going on. We've, had, we've also created video PSAs um, for the library for to encourage people to join their friends group, to, to donate to the library. So we've done... Um, We've done quite a bit with the library, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what advice would you give an organization seeking to start a media literacy program? Well, I mean, I would, I would um, say, well, uh, do you have the staff to do it? I mean, it's it's um, it's something I know a lot of community media centers are. are trying to survive with one staff person or maybe one staff person and a part-time person. Um, uh, do you have the staff to do it? Do you have the, uh, the time to, to, to devote to 
developing a curriculum. I mean, we you know, have a curriculum that we look at every year and we make tweaks to every year or even uh, as the year goes on if we think it's necessary. Um, but I, I think that um, media centers really need to look at themselves and, and try to figure out, you know, why they why they exist. And um, one of the reasons they exist or should think that they exist is to give the um, give their citizens and their residents a voice, an opportunity to have a voice. Um, and it's very, uh, it's very, but it's not as impactful to have access to that voice if you don't know uh, how to use your voice or you don't know how to shape uh, a message that you might want to shape. So I, I think that media literacy and helping volunteers, kid volunteers or adult volunteers, helping them uh, shape their message, helping them figure out how to get their message across in a way that people are actually going to pay attention to um, is really is really vital and, and really crucial in in, um, in the survival of media centers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay. So those are all of my structured questions. But in wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like to add to our discussion? Like any thoughts you've had but didn't get to express to any of the answers to the questions? Um, I don't think so. Is there anything that I didn't answer properly or very well or anything that you wanted to run by me again that I could take a better stab at? Um, I don't think so. Um, anything back over? No, um, but thank you for your time. Okay, well, I hope that was useful. I hope you can get something out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much. You bet. Uh, thanks very. Yeah. Good luck with your with your research and your project. And if you, if I can help in any other way, please let me know. Yeah, absolutely. You have a good weekend. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.